Sox. Go, 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 go. Let's go, 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 White Sox. Chicago is proud of you. This is White Sox Weekly, the Chicago baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly on the air. We got the legend in studio today. You don't mind me calling you a legend, do you, Rich King? Because you, I mean, how many years in this city? Well, 48 years on the air. Uh, in the city from the time of board, I was born at Holy Cross Hospital, so I guess from the time of birth, you know. 48 years on the air in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, how many people could say that, for real? Who's in that category? Well, uh, you know, Harry, well, Harry was in it for a long, Jack Brickhouse was, I mean, uh, Vince Lloyd, a lot of those guys were on for a long. I don't know if they had forty-eight years, but uh, it was a great forty-eight years. And I, you know, I got retired uh, two and a half years ago, Mark. And I, I sat out, off for a year, and I said I got to do something. So I called the White Sox, and they were gracious enough to give me some webcast games on the pre on the spring games in in uh, Arizona. I did two years of those. Loved every minute of it. Uh, the guy named Russ Langer, who did the play-by-play, did one game play-by-play. But in any event, I got back in, and now I'm doing some work for you guys, which is very rewarding. You know, back in radio, I always tell people, television was work. It was, it was hard work. Radio is fun, and we're going to have a lot of fun here. We are. White Sox Weekly with you till 6, and then we'll do the beat. Harry Tynels will be along at 6 o'clock, and... Uh, it's it's interesting. You were just up in Detroit as well, uh, hanging out with the ball club yeah. a little bit. Of course, uh, White Sox, if you missed it today, they were rained out. Uh, there will be game three of what was a four-game series tomorrow. They'll do a day-night doubleheader August the 6th. But you were up in, uh, in Detroit on Thursday. Yeah, they lost that game, uh, but they won uh, Friday, uh, a nice effort by Carlos Rodon. You know, the team is playing pretty decent ball, but they're, they're not at full strength whatsoever. They had a long way to go. Uh, Jose Abreu had a good night last night, uh, finally broke out of his slump, but Aloy a- Jimenez uh, is not hitting what he should be doing, so it's, it's a long, they're, they're playing decent, better than last year. Last year, at this point, they were 5-14, and 14, so it makes a big difference being 8-11, and 11, so hoping for better things. The pitching is the key, as everybody knows about the White Sox. Yeah, no doubt, and so the way the season started, I mean, to be where they're at here, playing much better baseball this week, right. it's like, all right, so let's, let's, let's get some... Let's hang around here, and you never know what's going to happen in the division, right? No one—I don't think anyone's going to run away with it. Nope. And you know, as guys develop, who knows what's what's possible this year? Very, very, very long season. I want to remind everybody that baseball is a long season. It is. It's, it's a marathon, and I think the Yankees series gave them some confidence, uh, especially that uh, two or three from New York was was very impressive, and they came out and beat the Royals. They should have won the last game of the series, left fourteen men on base. That was a tough loss, but all in all. I say pretty successful so far for the White Sox, but again, they are far from being 100%. Yeah, and we're going to do a lot today on Tim Anderson. The, the the incident on Wednesday where the Sox did lose 4-3 in 10 innings, and Tim hits a two-run homer, and Tim throws his bat at the dugout, right. Tim enjoys playing baseball, Tim yells out whatever he yells out as he hits the homer, and then Brad Keller's got a huge problem with him, Maybe it was not just Brad Keller, perhaps that came from the dugout as well. We mm-hmm. don't know. Nobody would ever own up to that. Ned Yost, after the game, was like, I, you know, he, he pitch got away, that standard thing. Right. I mean, I, right. I get it. He's not going to own He doesn't want to get fined. Right. But I, I just, uh, it's amazing to me that baseball, as we tend to, I would like to think, mature as people and yet, in, and, and try to enjoy our lives, that it's still, they still want to go old school. 
and I'm going to hit you because you just enjoyed hitting a home run. And now you're going to get suspended because we're going to have some conversation on the field, word said, which old school-wise you never get suspended for. Right. But now you are. It's like the whole thing mixes together in kind of some ugly, terrible pot. It made no sense to me at all because, uh, in fact, I covered the game, uh, and I asked uh, Ricky Renteria after the game why Joe West ejected Anderson because he didn't charge the mound, right? Right. And there was no punches thrown. And I got no answer. Uh, he said that there was no explanation. I asked Anderson that question. Anderson said he didn't know. The next day in Detroit, before the game, we were there. And again, we interviewed Anderson. It's done. I'm done. I want to talk about it. And no explanations why he got thrown out, even off the record. So uh, it came out, of course, yesterday. It was a, a racial thing. But, uh, you know, I th- if you want to go about <laughs> Calling names, it goes back way back in baseball, and you know, and I don't know if that's justification or not. There's no racial, there's no expl- no excuse for racial situations in any any sport. However, in this situation, from what I understand, he said, I don't understand how he got suspended. Yeah, it, it's I, I, it's not uh, really. I would in context, it's not a really a racial thing. He just used a word that you could throw under that umbrella, a word that you nobody should say. I mean, he used the N word. I get it, but this is a guy who is in the moment. It's it's not. He wasn't saying it in a derogatory derogatory term as as at a race per se. He was just calling it, it just an individual and a negative word. Period. It. it you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it wasn't like he was calling him out because of the color of his skin. He was just calling. He was just throwing a word at him, right? And well, to, would, to, <laughs> to get suspended for that is ridiculous. It, and, and I think it for me it does matter that it's a black guy saying it to a white guy. Maybe it shouldn't, but for me, like let's put the whole context of what just happened right now, right. To, and, and 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 let's look the other way and let's move along. That's how I see it. At least, well, the whole thing is a generational thing too, because you know yes. if you look at the NFL and the NBA, I covered. 400 Bears games in my career, all right? And as the years went on, the taunting got worse. Guys would get tackled, and a guy would stand over him and point at his face. Yeah. Now, that's that's different than what Anderson did. Anderson didn't point at anybody. He threw his bat toward the White Sox, dug out, didn't point at Kansas City or the pitcher, which is significant. But in the NBA and the NFL, that's, that's standard procedure, and it's a younger generation thing. Now, the old school guys, uh, yeah, the uh, guys spawn. Gibson, all those guys, yeah, they'd plunk you. But times are changing, you know. It's a different it's a different era, so we'll see what happens. But I'm sure the White Sox, and I know this for a fact, they want to see this thing gone. They're done with it, you know. It's yeah. over and move on from here. And I get that. We're going to talk about it a little bit here on White Sox Weekly. We're going to play some audio coming back here from Trevor Bauer, Indians pitcher, who was on MLB Radio this week and had some very interesting things to say. And if you want to chime in, feel free, 312-981-7200. Is the phone number here, 312 981 7200. Also, the text line, you can jump in there. And a reminder, you can take the family out to the ball game with a family four pack. You get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips starting at $49. It's brought to you by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time and take simplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash four packs today. I get to do this one? You get to do oh, that wow, one. Wow, it's great. White Sox fans, join us at. The White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers on Saturday, April 27th at 6.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans receive a Jose Abreu Silver Slugger bobblehead powered by Constellation, America's energy's choice. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. All right, quick time out here. Coming back, we'll play Trevor Bauer. And also, 
Ricky Renteria, some interesting stuff from uh, Ricky about what happened in the brawl on Wednesday. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Look at that, Rich King. You get a little theme song for you, a little Tom Petty. Sounds good to me. I mean, that's winning right there. <laughs> 720 WGN, it's White Sox Weekly. And we're going to play uh, some audio from Trevor Bauer, the Indians pitcher, who had a lot of people had reactions to what happened with Tim Anderson and Brad Keller this week. Uh, I should mention, by the way, uh, Rich, you knew we did a, a lot. Was I did a show on Thursday night on Chet Kopic here. Steve Cochran honoring him, Bill and Wendy honoring him. I know that you spent a ton of time with Chet. Well, I did in the uh, Bears press box for years and years. In fact, our seats were next to each other, and uh, he was there every week. And we talked mostly about the old days, about Jack Brickhouse and and uh, Irv Cupson and all the great Chicago legends. His, you know, Chet was wired in, with the Bears. He had, yeah, I think he had more tickets than the Bears had. I mean, his, for comp tickets. Yeah. But uh, he was he was what, a true man of his of his own making. I mean, he was what he was a hustler. He had self admitted entertainer. He, uh, he he took shots at people, uh, totally different than my style. But he was he was what he was, and I took that. You know, we were friends at the end of at the end of the deal. We were competitors in the in the old days, but uh, but all of his stories are about the famous interviews Irv Cups and did at halftime with the Bears and and his days in roller derby. And uh, he was quite a character and larger than life. Uh, and uh, he he loved it. I tell you right now, knowing Chet as I did. He would love the publicity he's getting right now because yeah. he's he's front page news again. That's what he wanted. Let's go live to the South Side, thirty fifth and Shields. Yeah. Pick it up with the old man. <laughs> what, what did he call uh, old Comiskey? Do you have any name for? I know the the barn was the old lady. <laughs> yeah. he, had, he, had the, he, had, he had a lot of phrases, and uh, but he was uh, he was true to himself. I, I told him that, uh, many times, as you are what you are, and he's admitted. I I I, I do. I take shots, I do things and uh, for effect, and that's what he did. I know uh, people can take issue with some of the things he did, but uh, at least he was honest about it. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. All right, so here, let, let's get into some reaction to Tim Anderson. Uh, first off, people might forget uh, Marcus Stroman up with the, with the Blue Jays. Right. Anders, Anderson and him had a moment where Timmy was talking, Stroman didn't like it, threw at him the whole thing, and then he goes out and goes on Instagram. It's the world we live in. Love it. Uh and hate it all at the same time. So he, he 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 writes, quote, felt like I needed to speak on this. You can't suspend someone for language. That's ridiculous. Also, what he said is also normal slang trash talk in our culture. I don't believe in, quote, beef, and I never take my battles off the field. I love competing against competitors. What happens between the lines always stays there for me. I never allow confrontations on the field that happen in the heat of the moment to carry over after the game and cause me to change my view on the character of my opponents. I respect and love everyone. We all go to different places mentally on the field in order to compete at the highest level. And he finishes up, I support passion and emotion. I've been authentic from the beginning. I will always speak my mind when I feel things aren't right. I will always defend and respect our culture in the game. I stand with Tim Anderson on this. And that's the generational thing I talked about earlier, that uh, there's a different thinking about, you know, in my era when I was growing up and the old guys, uh, if somebody gave, uh, even threw a bat or whatever or taunted you, 
he probably punched him out. But that that whole thing has changed. I don't think these guys take it that personally now, uh, especially in the NFL. I know they, for a fact, they don't take it personal because there would be more fights. They just accept it and uh, try to. As Anderson told me, uh, he said uh, somebody, well, somebody else asked him, "What what happened? What would you do if you if somebody did that to you, uh, the pitcher?" And he said, "Well, I try to strike him off the next time." Right. That's what they do. That's how they feel about it, and it's totally different than when we grew up. But. Times change, you know. Yeah, and 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 sometimes they change for the better. And having fun on a baseball field, I don't think that's a terrible thing. Uh, let, let's hear let's hear with Trevor Bauer. Let's see what uh, the Indians hurler had to say on MLB Radio. I'm very much on the side of showing more emotion and celebrating accomplishments on the field and stuff like that. So I thought it was I thought it was great on Tim's part. I mean, look, the guy just hit a homer to put his team ahead. It is hard. To hit a home run in the big leagues, just just to hit just to hit the ball, it's hard. I struggle with that myself. Um, but to hit to hit a homer off a guy that's been throwing well, like another big league pitcher, like it's hard. So shoot, you should celebrate it. I mean, that's what the fans really want to see. I think. Like, look at what the NFL did. They tried to take away end zone celebrations, faced massive backlash, and then put them back in, and everybody's happy. It gets so much play. It gets put all over. Social media draws a lot of fan attention in. You see it all the time in the NBA. Guys have their three-point, you know, they, they hit a three-pointer, they have their little dance, or their, you know, Harden's got the, you know, keep feeding me little thing that he does, and Curry's got his little, Jimmy. you know, celebration that he does. Yeah, like, it's great. Uh, I don't, it's not, I don't see it as showing someone up, you know. It's just, like, celebrating, like, man, this game's hard, and I just did something. I'm going to celebrate it. Um and no one gets mad. Like, if someone hits a homer and the entire dugout celebrates, like, no one gets mad about that, you know? So why are we getting mad about a player celebrating? Now, that being said, I'm a pitcher, and I definitely understand that there's, you know, lines that can be crossed. Like, if you are talking to me or staring at me or making it personal, like, uh, like at me, mm-hmm. then, you know, there there might be an issue. But I don't think Tim did that. I think he like, he hit it and he looked at his dugout and he was trying to fire his guys up. It wasn't at all about the opposing team. It was you know, like celebrating with, you know, me personally and with my guys. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on it, man. I, it, it's the baseball needs more of that. Cause like, like you said, it created a huge story and now a bunch mm-hmm. of people's eyes are on baseball and that's good for the game. How about that part? Baseball needs more of that. Well, exactly right, and that's uh, the, the thinking of the modern athlete, and that's uh, I told you earlier, and I think that sums it up pretty well. Uh, and I think in Anderson's case, he's exactly right, Trevor, is because he did not show up the pitcher. He threw the bat at the White Sox dugout and did the celebrating there, and uh, if he had done that, yeah, there'd have been an issue, or if he had pointed at the guy or something, the pitcher, then have an issue, but there's no issue as far as... That's the way the modern guy thinks. Again, this is a clash of generations. I mean, you've got the old I, Ned Yost, the old school manager. Yeah, uh, you know, and so you, it's going to change. It's, it's the inevitable. It's, uh, it's going to change eventually. Well, and here let's bring in Ricky Renteria, where he, you know, the, pull up the cut, Curtis, about him talking on the field because you know Ricky's been around the game for forty plus years, and so and of course he's going to back his player. We know sure. this, but it's it, there's some interesting context on what he has to say. The game has changed a ton in that where there's cameras, phones, there's things everywhere now. Correct. Right. So this is my 39th or 40th year in baseball. I venture to say that over the years there have been something sad or not sad or, or whatever that you know would make you cringe and, and curl up, but you know. That's our arena. 
this is our clubhouse. The field is our arena for both teams. When they're out there competing, that's our arena. And so, you know, guys go out there to compete. They're not going out there to play tiddlywinks. They're going out there, I mean, not that tiddlywinks is a competitive sport. But, uh, they're competing, you know, and, and, and the emotions are high, and that's the way it should be. If, if, if anybody wants to see two teams go out there with not having heart and drive uh, and a desire to want to compete and win, uh, you, you probably wouldn't see emotion like that. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, both, both teams should be commended for having the desire and the energy to want to go out there and show emotion and, and to battle. That's what it's about at the end of the day. And so a lot of that cut was about the use of the N word, and he's talking. Well, this is our field. This is this is where we're doing things, mm-hmm. and what, what's what's said on the field shouldn't be legislated. You're going to get suspended for the words coming out of your mouth. That's right. part of what he's talking about. Right. And then I did like how he's <laughs> is Tiddlywinks actually a sport? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Uh, but that's that's uh, vintage Ricky right there. We talked in Detroit about that a little bit too. But uh, you know, it, it is a it's, as I say, I keep, keep repeating this, but it is a change of the guard here. You're talking about kids in their twenties, and you know, years ago when I did the White Sox games in the eighties, uh, hanging around the pitchers, uh, Ed, Ed Farmer and uh, does the games now for the White Sox and uh, Ross Baumgarten and Ken Cravick, guys like that. Cravick told me that if a guy got into the, ba- the batter's box and started gyrating a lot and making a big fuss like he's digging in, yeah. first pitcher bat his knees inside, and he's that's, these guys, that's the way they dealt with things back then. But again, that was back then. This is now. This is 2019, and it's it's hard for I think it's hard for older people to change, and uh, see that. And you know, quite frankly, when I watched the NFL games, and I I, th- I thought, well, if I was this guy on the field, and the guy's pointing at me, I'm getting up and hitting him. <laughs> so, but that's not the way these guys think. They think differently. And, and sometimes that happens. For the records, by the way, Tiddlywinks is a game played on a flat felt mat. With sets of small discs called winks. Yep. A pot, which is the tar. You know this, Rich? Oh, yeah. Really? You've played oh, Tiddlywinks? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Little, little, this is a generational thing. It is. It is. A little, uh, you know, iron little uh, aluminum, what they think. They think you throw them out there and you play. 3 one 2 9 8 Don't ask me the rules because I've been no, I, 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 I got them right here. <laughs> We're talking 60 years ago. <laughs> I, I, I would like to just put that out there to the old phone line, text line, 312-981-7200, if you've ever played Tiddlywinks. I'm, 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 I'm kind of interested in talking to you. All right, let's uh, let's get you into news. And uh, there's one uh, soundbite from Tim that he he was trying he was honoring a player this week that all of baseball did, Jackie Robinson. So I'm going to play that. And I got a question for you coming back. How it can tie into sure how uh, it ties in definitely. Yeah, no question. It's it's role model stuff here. All right, seven twenty WGN news coming up. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. Sox rained out today in Detroit. Makeup doubleheader, day-night doubleheader, August 6th. They didn't have those back in the day, Rich King. <laughs> we had double scheduled doubleheaders. Yeah, nice straight doubleheader, yeah. one scheduled. ticket. Yeah, that's right. Come yeah. on. Two man. off days during the week. It was a different era. And that was that was a little more fan-friendly back in the day. Uh, we're going to get into Tim Anderson, who uh, was honoring Jackie Robinson this week. But first, Rich, you got a message for White Sox okay, fans. Okay, White Sox fans, join us as the White Sox take on the Boston Red Sox on Thursday, May 2nd at 7.10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans receive a free White Sox-themed T-shirt presented by the Village of Bedford Park. 
Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesocks.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. And now is your chance to catch all the action at home with the season-long ballpark pass. It's just $49.99 per month. You get access to at least 11 games per month. Let's see, let's do the math on that. 11 divided by 50 bucks. That is less than $5 a game here, team. While you get to see matchups, great uh, promotional giveaways. Don't forget about that. You can lock in your ballpark pass today at whitesocks.com slash ballparkpass. It was uh, Jackie Robinson Day. Everybody wearing 42 April 15th on Monday, which is one of the coolest things that baseball does. It, he retired in, in or he passed away in 72, I want to say, and they started doing this in 1997, 25 years later. Um, but it's a very nice thing that baseball does. Indeed, it is. Yeah, and well, you're well years ago. I mean, you know, Jackie, talk about racial. Problems. I mean, Jackie Robinson took horrible abuse, as you well know. Right. When he started out, uh, the worst. Yeah, the worst. Edward was all over the place back then. Uh, but I had a chance to uh, interview Sharon Robinson, his daughter, a few years ago. The White Sox had hosted the uh, Jackie Robinson Day event, and they had a big celebration, a big party, and it was a really nice uh, event. And uh, the, the movie just come out, Forty Two. Yeah. And uh, Sharon Robinson, I asked her what, what was most significant part of that movie. And she said there was a scene where a little boy's in the stands and with his father. And uh, the little boy's watching the game. He's just cheering on. And the father gets up and start, starts getting on Jackie Robinson, using the N-word. And then the kid, after about half a minute of this or a minute, sees his father doing it. And he does it. He starts using it. And she says, that's exactly what it is. It's learned behavior. No doubt. Uh, when you're a child and your father does it, you do it. And that's what you have to attack. And you have to change that mentality. It's indeed hard to do. But you have to do it. And that's what Jackie Robinson's life is all about. And he certainly changed a lot in his great career. And, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, of course, growing up, was in Brooklyn when Jackie was, was there and, and has stories, I'm sure, about Jackie, too. And uh, But it, it, it's, it's a historic event. And that's why he's honored, because he's such a legend and such a, I guess, the most impactful player in terms of the the culture of the game and the history of the game yeah straight hero so and this so this was Tim the White Sox wanted to honor Jackie and Tim of course is the only African American baseball player on the team you got the you know baseball right now is seven some odd percent African American I, hopefully that will change I but who knows I, how the demographics of baseball will look in five ten years but here was here was Tim through the White Sox honoring Jackie dear Jackie. How can we say thank you for paving the way for me, for my kids, for kids everywhere? How can we thank you for playing hard, for playing fast, for shocking the world? How can we say thank you for standing up, for being stronger, for being an icon? legend, an example. How can we say thank you? The way you showed us with actions. So it's really awesome, and it's better, even better visually, obviously. So you can check it out. You go to the White Sox Twitter. You can just, you guys know how to do this. Hit up your computer, <laughs> find it. It's awesome. Uh, 
Yeah. And powerful, right? Well, I got one more story about this, and this is it's really interesting because I had a chance after I retired to teach at DePaul. Uh, oh, wow. two, two years of broadcast journalism class, and young people in their 20s. And this is good for me because when you get, I, I mentioned this earlier, when you get older, the the ability to change diminishes. You don't want to, you don't want to see change when you get older sometimes. But and with, with these kids in class, I got to know what the, how they think. And the movie 42 had just come out a few years ago. And so I asked the, the, the class, I said, how many of you have seen this movie? Only one had seen it of 12 uh, students. And I got on their case pretty good. I said, if you want to be in sports, you've got to watch the 42 or at least re- see a documentary on Jackie Robinson. Because history, which I don't know why, what happened over the years in this education system in our country, for some reason, they stopped teaching history. And if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. It's a given fact. And if you don't know the story of Jackie Robinson, you're not going to understand what was what's going on today you're not going to stand the whole culture the climate so you have to know things like that the abuse he took and the mentality back then in this country and if you understand that back then you can relate it better to what happened even with tim Anderson's case it's a it's a cultural thing and if you have to, if you have, don't read about it understand it you're not going to get on too much and you're not going to learn from the experience yeah and people love to romance, baseball, the green grass, the national pastime, apple pie, hot dogs. It also has a very ugly history. It does. And to, you know, I don't know if the word is embrace, but baseball should not run away from that. You should use it as a teaching point, which they have. They have. And 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 it's and you got to own it, man. This is part of the history of baseball. It's part of the history of this country. Right. And we're moving forward, and that's a beautiful thing. Just and think I, and about I, the guys in the old Negro League who played right in, in obscurity for all those years, never got their due, and could have been in the major leagues, probably better than a lot of major league players. And there was an unwritten rule among the baseball owners: no black players. It was, it was not there was no legislation about it, but that was a, a racist operation back then, and it changed. And Jackie Robinson changed it. And to the baseball's credit, now I think they've embraced it, and they have honored Jackie Robinson and realized what happened, and are trying to uh, forge ahead to a different era. Yeah, I, you know, and I was reading about Jackie this week, just thinking about uh, you know Ben Chapman, who was the no, Phillies manager, yeah. who just I mean, oh, terrible, the, yeah. the worst. Yeah, and that was the manager, and everybody in the dugout was saying the same stuff. That's yeah. how that's how they were. His own teammates were against him. I mean, you know, yeah, right. it was it was a rough, rough first few years for Jackie, <laughs> and he had to suck it up and not retaliate, which is even harder, and still play baseball and, and perform. So, the man deserves what he's getting, no question about it. So, so I want to take a left turn here, because I thought that what Timmy is first of all, Tim Tim Anderson has been incredible in the community. Uh, he's a tremendous. Tremendous ambassador for the White Sox, on the field, off the field, all of it. And White Sox fans are, and baseball fans for the most part, are pretty much universal in saying that Tim Anderson did not do anything wrong, throwing his bat, whatnot. He wasn't showing up the pitcher, all that stuff. But I do want to ask the question here, 312-981-7200. Do you want your kid, who may love Tim Anderson, wear his jersey do you want him emulating that behavior if he's playing in a little league game and he hits a home run and he's going to throw his bat at his at his whatever fence dugout and and you know puff out his chest and whatnot? Because when I go and watch 
my niece who's uh, 12 or if I go and watch my fiance's nephews who are, you know, six and three, I see kids out there. If they're playing basketball, they're, you know, they're doing James Harden type of stuff. And it's like, oh my God. Well, I mean, how, where, how, what are we, how far are we going to go in, in 15 years? If, the, if this, you know, th- th- these are their heroes. This is what they're seeing. Right. So that part of the discussion to me is, is interesting. I got the answer for you. Okay. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> the, Rich. The answer is what Trevor Bauer said. I think you have to tell the kids, look, it's okay to celebrate, but do not in any way show up the opponent. Do not point at them. Do not tout them or whatever. They're taunting. Do not do not do all that stuff that would get you a reaction. If you keep it celebrations of the teammates, throw the bat at the dugout, your own dugout or whatever, it's fine. The minute you start doing the opposite, going at a pitcher or in football, or whatever, going at a defensive back, then you're you're inviting some problems. So so I think Bauer summed it up pretty good. So if Rich King was say the manager of of a high school team, right. Football, baseball, basketball, whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah. And you had a kid who's celebrating a lot, but it's, it's over the top. You you let him roll? No, no, you have to stop it. You have, if, if somebody points at a pitcher or gets to be a hot shot, I, I stop it. I say, you know, you can't chop that guy because it's not sportsmanship. It's okay to celebrate. You know, a guy to our touchdown, I got no problem. You got no problem with that. Nobody has I don't, a problem. I don't. As long as they don't go in the guy's face and point at him, the defensive back. That that's a problem, and uh, if I'm the defensive back in that position, then I can retaliate. But as long as you point to the crowd or your own teammates or hug each other, or in Tim Anderson's case, the White Sox bench, I got no issues with. The minute you start going at the pitcher or the opposition, then I got an issue. It's you got to tell them that. It's a pretty nuanced conversation for parents to have with their kids. I would think. I tell you, I, it's a it's a job raising kids in general. I never had any kids, but I can tell you right now, it's a it's a tough it's a t- tough thing to do, and and uh, it's it's. But it has to be addressed. It has to be taught. As I said, Bauer had it right. Uh, the way these guys think, they don't take offense to it. All right? They don't care if the guy celebrates. So fine. But if it's at them, they care. That's that's the difference. Fair enough. All right. Uh, our, our celebration conversation is sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. 312-981-7200. Quick timeouts. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. <laughs> White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN, the great Rich King sitting in today. And the White Sox, if you missed it, were rained out today. Doubleheader makeup August the 6th. Regular game tomorrow with the Detroit Tigers. We were talking during the break. You, uh, you had a moment with Michael Kopech in spring training. Well, you know, it's, you mentioned the White Sox record, 8-11, and as opposed to 5-14 and a year ago. And they've by far, they've got a long way to go. I mean... Talk about Jose Abreu off to a slow start. Even uh, Aloy Jimenez off to a slow start at 3-for-22 for the week. Abreu was 3-for-19 for the week. They're still winning games, though, and managed to be a, a just three three games under five hundred. But this ball club, uh, Ricky, Ricky Renteria set the tone in spring training when he said, this is a notch up this year. We're going to have to perform better than we did last year. The days of, oh, it's okay to you know get some guys some experience, that those days are over. We want to win some more games. And in that regard, I was... One of the, when I did the webcast games, I spent a lot of time in the locker. I mean, I, I was there all the time trying to pick up information. And uh, one day I was sitting with Ed Farmer. It was uh, before the game, and, and Michael Kopech walked along. And, of course, he's recovering from the surgery. And he had the scar. He showed us the scar. And, 
And he said something very interesting, and I thought about this, thought of the modern-day athlete, and even the old-time athlete. You know, most people project the White Sox to be somewhere down the road, 500 if they're lucky, or whatever whatever projections they have. Everybody has projections. But these guys can't think that way. And Kopech leaned over at one point, and Ed was talking to him, and he said, you know, I hope I can get back for the playoffs. Oh, my God. And I thought, you know what, most, most of us scribes, the writers, you know, poo-poo, that kind of thing. But that's you... That is the way you have to think. You cannot think as an athlete that you're going to settle for 500. You're gunning for the big prize. If you get in the playoffs, maybe you get lucky, you advance. That's the way they think. And I thought that's pretty interesting. Here's a young man who, you know, is sitting it out all year long, but they won't let him back for the playoffs. And he said, I want to make that plane right now. He's going to be next year. But he thought, he thought, I want to see this team make the playoffs. Now, that's the way you have to think. Not that they'll make it. Who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully, they, have, they will make it. But it, that's the mentality you have to have. And and, and that goes back to what. And the way it goes back to what Anderson was doing. He's trying to fire up his teammates. They're 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 out there to do it. And 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 sometimes I think as 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 my, all my years in the business, and you look at the way we project, sit back here in front of a microphone, and the writers project. They they can't think that way. They can't think. Well, we're gonna, we're lucky to finish five hundred. You know? Well, it doesn't work. It's always interesting because. A lot of media, and I'm guilty of this as well. You'll ask some questions, basically saying like, you know, how are you going to are you going to bounce back from this loss? It's like these guys play every day. You think they're not going to be able to shake off a tough extra inning bullpen blew it when you were leading five three. You lost six five. You think they're not going to show up tomorrow and be ready to go? This is what they do. Yeah. So. And with Kopech, it's it's the same. It's it's a, around the same ballpark. Like I, yeah. I'm going to do my very best to be ready as soon as possible. And if I, you know, hopefully I'll be able to pitch in the playoffs. I, you got, I appreciate the mentality. You know, and the age, the age factor too. You know, if if you run as long as I've been, you see the difference in lockers. I've been so many lockers in my life. It's changed over the years. All right, guys in the old days took losses harder. I mean, you walked into a clubhouse after a loss, man. You were lucky to get. Eye, you don't make eye contact with guys. Yeah. Nowadays, not that they're happy about loss, but they're not as devastated by this as the as the as the old players were. And you can look at it. It's interesting because you go two ways, right? Well, the old players are more fire, but you also look at it. Well, it's, it's more realistic. You can't. You're not going to win every game, all right? So you can't get devastated by by one loss. You, you're, you're unhappy about it. You suck it up, and you. It's always tomorrow. Yeah, you know, and I go back when I started covering, like, 97, okay? And, like, the first baseball team I was really around was the 98 Cubs. And you had Mark Grace, Rod Beck, Matt Karchner, Jeff Blauser. Those guys, after a game, they had, you know, huge 20-ounce cups of beer. They were smoking in the clubhouse. It was a totally different scene. And... You know, I can remember, you know, covering the Sox, and, and Paul Konerko would have Miller Lights after the game and whatnot. You rarely see a guy sitting at his locker after a game drinking a beer. It just doesn't happen. Like, they're, no. they're having a protein shake, or they're out the door. It's just a, it's a, it's a totally different animal. Smoking in the clubhouse, you would never see that now. No, Maybe right. a dip here and there, but that's, you know, it's, it's so, so different. No, it's a different attitude. Also, what's changed is the, the, mic, the microscope's on these guys. Even on yeah. their off hour, they can't, on the road, you, guys on the road in the old days, they had all kinds of hijinks going on. I don't think they can do that nowadays. I don't travel that much. I was in Detroit with them, but uh, they can't go out and, and, and 
do the things the old guys did, you know. And I think there's a big difference there. The media is so intrusive now, and they, they've been forced to back off and be very uh, uh, secretive. Private. Yeah. Their private lives are private life. And, and yeah, you, you, you can't blame them for that. No, you can't. I mean, I, well, look at, at our business, too. I mean, you, you know, you can't. In the old days, broadcasters are more flamboyant. <laughs> I can tell you firsthand. You can't, you can't do the things. I mean, you go back to Harry Carey and the things they did, and, and guys like Jack Drees and Brickhouse. That was a totally different era. They were, they, you know, you can say it was more fun, but that's that's a matter of perspective. Nowadays, it's totally different. Yeah, let, let's go back in time real quick here. We pulled uh, something from. 2007, it happened this week, and uh, it's, it's by one of the most favorite White Sox of all time. Ground ball, Creedy! Yes! Mark Burley, a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers! Look at Hawk just letting it breathe. There you go, Hawk, with uh, the call at Burley's. That was the 16th no-hitter in White Sox history. 6 nothing went over the Rangers. Two hours and seven minutes, I think. That's the <laughs> game. A short game. See, it was, yeah, that no. was something else. You know, hearing that crowd noise, too, uh, is something else. Because on a side note, and I don't know if this is White Sox-related, but I guess it is in a way baseball-related. You know, Vin, the great Vin Scully got into broadcasting because of the crowd noise. He was listening to a Georgia-Georgia Tech game from, in Brooklyn, and... Heard the crowd noise. He's seven or eight years old. He thought this would be a great thing to do, be a sportscaster. So the crowd noise brings on the excitement. And that's, uh, you heard it there at, and after that brilliant no hitter. And it's uh, great to hear. Yeah, and you're, you're driving around in the car and you get that good crowd noise going. I just, I would always turn it up. You, you, can, you can feel it, man. You know, I'll tell you a story about my, my late wife, Maggie. She was legally blind, all right? But she wanted to go to the game. And I, I had season, I got season tickets. And, uh, Robin Ventura at a grand slam beat the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, I guess. And she couldn't see it, but she heard it. And her eyes lit up. And it was a great thing to see. And I already told Robin about that. She made my late wife very happy with that home run because she was there and she heard the crowd noise. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. So crowd noise, uh, it's what it's all about. It's the excitement of the game. That's a beautiful story right there. Hey, uh, we'll uh, get a little minor league update coming up after the 5 o'clock news. White Sox Weekly, Rich King sitting in on 720 WGN. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Second hour, White Sox Weekly. Mark Harmon and Rich King with you on 720 WGN. We did some Tim Anderson in the first hour. Don Cooper. Coop coming up at 535 today. And in about a couple minutes here, I'm going to play a soundbite from Joe Weil, who is the voice of the Winston-Salem Dash 
and he's watching Luis Robert hit 7,000 for about a, I'd say one more week before he gets moved up to double A. But we were talking in the break, you, you, had a, you had a Tom Skilling story that you got to share. Well, you mentioned Skilling, you know, I, I, Tom is, is as great a guy as he is on the air, that's how he is off the air. He's, he is, the person you see on the air is the person you see off the air. And uh, years ago, when I, April and I got married, I invited him, of course, to the wedding down here at Navy Pier, right, looking at it right now, out the window here. And uh, he became the star of the wedding. He said, I'm, I, can't, I, only got a, I only got two hours. And I said, well, hey, Tom, I'm glad you came, you know, and two hours turned into three, and all the relatives are talking to him, and he's loving it. He stayed till 1 o'clock in the morning, and I told April, he stole the show from the bride. I said, he, was, he was the bride at the wedding, but he's a great guy and a, one of the great personalities in our business, needless to say. It's truly amazing that he became that famous as a weatherman. Like, the weather. It's not You're not the sports guy. You're not the news guy. You're the weather guy, and somehow he was able to connect well, through telling you it was going to be sunny outside. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, but he did it by hard work. I mean, you know, in the old days, the guys didn't do as much graphic as, as graphics as, as Tom did. Tom was a pioneer in that. Years ago, he was bringing in graphics all the time, and he, he gave him more time. And, of course, we, he got a lot of time now. But that's what it made him. And his personality came across as a genuinely nice person. And you find that it, 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 people relate to that. And, and uh, you know, you can be controversial in this business. It's fine. But you, you also turn off a lot of people. Tom captured everybody. And 99% of the people looked like the guy. And that's why they watch. So that's why it became so popular. I mean, he's synonymous with weather in the city. Yes. Syn- it's it's incredible. The weather, the uh, the atmospheric pressure. You have the, you're right. You all have all those graphics going on. And I can tell you, I, I asked <laughs> him one time. Unbelievable. After, I asked him after a show one time about global warming. Yeah. And about 15 minutes later, he was still talking about it. I mean, he... He knew his stuff and knows his stuff, and people know that. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get, uh, we're going to get Joe Wilder here in a second. But first, uh, just a couple messages for me and Rich. Number one, you can learn from the pros this summer at a White Sox summer camp. I would love to do this. It starts at $149. Kids, kids age 5 to 12 can register for a camp at any of our 30 locations. All participants will receive a White Sox hat, a T-shirt, four game tickets, and an exclusive look at Guaranteed Rate Field. Register today at WhiteSox.com slash play. And a reminder, join us as the White Sox take on the Boston Red Sox on Sunday, May 5th at 1.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans receive a Los White Sox soccer jersey presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. To purchase your tickets, visit WhiteSox.com. All right, let's go down to Winston-Salem. Let's do a little check topic here. Pick it up with the voice of the Dash, Joe Weil. Been there for decades covering single-A baseball. Actually, he's like 24 years old. But uh, very well-seasoned guy, uh, knows his stuff. And uh, I just wanted to ask him about Luis Robert. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming that uh, you're seeing a lot of good stuff here, Joe Weil. Watching this guy perform on a day-to-day basis is truly it's just, it's a gift. I mean, it's been amazing to see the things that he has done in Winston-Salem through the first 15 games of our season. Their video game numbers, he leads the Carolina League in just about every offensive category. We know that a promotion to Birmingham is coming up very, very soon, so we're trying to take it in really every moment we can. And it's something I've said on the air a couple times recently. I just say, Dash fans, appreciate this while you can because he's not going to be here very long. What do you like about him the most? God, that's a tough question. I, I'll, I'll give you a couple of things. I mean, obviously the, the physical tools are amazing, but the speed is what has always stood out to me with Luis. Even last year when the hitting wasn't coming around, he was 
he was just gliding in the outfield, and he'd make plays that you thought were going to be extra base hits, and he'd somehow get to baseball. I think that'll play regardless of what level he ultimately is at, and once he gets to the big leagues, that's going to be one of the big things that he will utilize to his success. The power has really come along here in his second stint with Winston-Salem. He already has six home runs, which leads the Carolina League, but the speed is really what stood out to me on every facet. He's great on the bases. He's great in the outfield with everything that comes with that. And the second thing is really his personality. His American teammates love him. And obviously his Hispanic teammates love him as well. But he has ingrained himself so much within the culture, even in a year's time. And and everybody just loves his personality. My favorite story to come out of this year, actually, was one involving him, but it actually ultimately involved Nick Madrigal, who's obviously one of the top prospects on our team. But there was one game that Luis told Nick he was going to get four hits. He just said, you're going to get four hits, I'll get two. And then Nick actually ended up going four for four. Luis had three hits, so he got his part of it wrong. He got Nick's part of it right. But every time Nick would get a hit, he'd come back into the dugout, and Luis would be like, okay, three. All right, now two, now one. And that's just a, that's just a special guy within a special clubhouse that we've had here in the White Sox system in Winston-Salem last year and this year. And I think those two things, the speed – which has really stood out since the get-go, but also just his personality. I think he's going to be a huge star in, in Chicago. So there you go, Joe Wild, voice of the dash. Luis Roberts, the numbers here, Rich. 482 the batting average, 525 is on base. Now he's only walked two times and he's struck out 12 times if we're looking for some measure of caution, if you will. Six homers, 17 RBIs. He's slugging one Point four seven one. That's ridiculous. You saw him in spring training. I tell you, he's a very impressive kid. I saw him two years in a row. In fact, the game we covered last year, uh, this past spring, I should say, was in uh, Surprise, Arizona. And he won a game with an 0-2 pitch, powered it over the left field fence for a home run. And afterward, of course, talked about it. But the White Sox are loaded in the outfield. You look at uh, this, uh, Ryan Cordell, who's off to a great start after they sent Palka down. Cordell, four for seven. In the two games he's played, and he can he can play defense. You've got Luis Basabe, you've got Mike Rodolfo, uh, you've got uh, Robert. I mentioned earlier, you've got a bunch of guys. Jimenez, the Sox are loaded in outfielders. Now you say, well, how are they all going to fit in? Well, you know what? If when the team does get good, which they will get good next year, hopefully to a, to a different level, and pro- progress this year also. You can trade some of those guys. Maybe one of those guys for some, some, some good talent. So there's a lot of options there. And Madrigal, you know, in camp, the word on Madrigal was he is so far advanced, some people are talking about bringing him up this year. Now, they probably won't, but that's how talented this guy is. He sprays the ball over the place. He can run like the wind. And it's a very uh, optimistic outlook for the White Sox all the way around. The one thing they do need, they need Kopech to come back. They need Radon to pitch well. They need Dylan Cease to come up and pitch well. They, their pitching has to come in, into gear, and then they'll be fine. But uh, it, it's a very optimistic view from the uh, from the outfield. Nick Madrigal so far in 44 at-bats. He's hitting three eighteen. He's His on-base percentage is at uh, a very respectable, uh, more than respectable, four oh nine. Fourteen 14 hits and 44 at-bats. He's got a triple. He's got four doubles. He's got uh, six walks, so you, everything about that you got to like. Uh, Ricky's high on him. I, personally, I can tell you that he's really high on Madrigal, and the organization's obviously high on Robert. And uh, look at the trades they made, you know, with with uh, Moncada now. 
blossoming into a bona fide star, Kopech coming back, and Basabi in that one deal for sale. Uh, things are coming together, and uh, it'll take a f- maybe a, f- a little time here more, but uh, they're on their way. Somehow, somewhere, and may- maybe it won't pan out this way, but I sort of have a feeling that Luis Robert might actually turn out to be a better player than Aloy. I think they're both going to be great. I uh, mean, you're talking about... Uh, I mean, Eloy's still learning to play the outfield. He clearly. needs some work in the outfield, no question about that. <laughs> Yesterday, you could see that. Yeah. He needs some work in the outfield, but he's a young guy too. And uh, uh, Robert looks like a bona fide outfielder, and he got Cordell who can play right field. Of course, Adam Engel's now in there too. But defensively, that shapes up pretty better. Daniel Palka, uh, we covered him also, and yeah. second game in spring training. All right, and in, in uh, Peoria, Arizona. Nice warm day. Had a fly ball to the outfield, around the first base, and pulled up. And hamstring, all right? We go out of locker after, during the game, actually. It was during the game in right field. And, oh, I drank a bunch of coffee, and, you know, no big deal. And so it's not a big thing. Well, it turned out to be a big thing. He yeah. sent him back two or three weeks. He never got his never got his function together. The timing was off. The games we saw, we, we covered two games in um, Chase Field against Arizona. last two games of spring training. Hit two shots, one for a home run. And one that almost went out for a double. However, that's spring training. Uh, as you well know, when the season starts, everything's notched up. So Palka never got his groove, and uh, he's in the minors. Yeah, that just that part, for lack of a better word, just sucks. I mean, the guy had 27 homers last year as a rookie, led the team. And a guy I was rooting for, and I, you can't blame the White Sox for sending him down. He obviously was not uh, anywhere close to doing the job. But uh, here's a guy who finally got a chance to be on a big league roster to start uh, on opening day, and that had never happened before in his right. career. He's not right. young either, as far yeah. as you know. He's 27 years old, and so who knows when and if he gets back? It'll be hard pressed to get him back now because it, yeah. it, he'll, he'll, the competition is great among White Sox outfielders. Cordell's have off to a great start, and Cordell is very impressive defensively. Right, and Falk is not. You know, Nicky Delmonico's in there. I'd love yeah. to be back up. I and mean, there's a lot of guys who are there. You know, Charlie Tilson's hitting 400 at AAA. You know, that's so. Uh, it, it's it's not easy to get yourself a spot in the big leagues, and then of course you, you got to hold it when you do. All right, hey, look, we're going to come back. We're going to do the weekend review, Rich. We get to, we'll, sure. We're going to hear some moments uh, that were a lot of fun as the White Sox picked up a bunch of wins this week. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly. Rich King in today. I didn't know you were born at the ballpark on the south side, Rich King. Well, I was born, uh, raised in a neighborhood called Pilsen, which is around uh, 17th and Racine, 18th and Halstead, actually, for people who know the area. I grew up there, and then Brighton Park, and then uh, all over the city of Chicago and the suburbs and back downtown for the last uh, 20, 25 years. So it's been great. And and for the the record on the text line from the 571, I'm not insulting Tom Skilling. I'm giving him a compliment, the fact that he was able to connect through weather. But they write, Mark, Tom Skilling's not a weather guy. He's an expert meteorologist. You're absolutely right. He is a legendary scientist of weather he would be truly offended to be referred to as a, quote, weather guy. I hope he's not listening. Did I offend Tom Skilling? No, he wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to lift my man up, Tom Skilling. Not that he needs it from me, obviously, but like the fact that he was able to become as iconic as he has. Normally, it's the sports guy or the news person. Tom did it from the weather chair. Right, he That's did. all I was yeah, saying. He, exactly. My God. All right, let's do the weekend review, and let's start last Sunday. Uh, with the White Sox and the Yankees, Sox 5, Yankees uh, 2, they take 2 of 3. 
the 0-1, the swing and a line drive right center field. This is it well. To the track, at the fence, slam! Sox lead on a grand slam by Tim Anderson over the scoreboard and right. Sox lead 4-2. to two. Turn on the fireworks. Farmio loves the fireworks. First career grand slam for Timmy. He had a great week, didn't he? And, you know, I told him, the last thing I told him Thursday when I left Detroit, we were interviewing him, I said, just don't, don't let this stuff get to you. I said, just settle down. Keep hitting. And he said, that's, I can do my job. That's the exact words he said. And I'm, so they want to get this thing by, past him. Well, and I, you know, watching all the interviews with him, he's, I'm moving forward, I'm moving forward, yeah. I'm moving forward. But do you, did you get the sense that it was bothering him? I think, I, I, yeah, during the interview Thursday, I did. Because he said some things in there that I, he's getting tweets from players and stuff. And I think it did bother him a little bit. But he was trying his best. And I think the White Sox, I know Ricky uh, pretty much said it yesterday. And you, you, the, the, it'll all fade. This stuff of this course. stuff goes viral for a while. And then it fades. Yep. And a week from now, I'll be talking about something else. And it'll all be free. And that's what they want. This is a thing that's this happens in baseball for years. You know, guys getting hit. So let's hope it does fade. That Sunday game against the Yankees, Mankata had three hits. He had a walk. Sox stole five bases. Took two or three uh, from the Yanks. And that, it's the first time the Sox have won consecutive series in New York since 2 and 3 So that was big-time impressive. And Carlos Rodon, three hits, six innings, struck out five. 3-0 and in three starts at Yankee Stadium. You know, Rodon is the key. Uh, you know, Tom Petrarch told me that in camp, uh, and I, th- I think he's right. Uh, Rodon can settle that staff down. Lopez is pitching well now. And uh, Nova gives you innings, so that's the key to the White Sox this year. The the bullpen, by the way, this week I did the numbers. You know, three point five zero ERA doesn't sound that impressive, but the way things were going to start out with, uh, they've they've settled things down a little bit for the week. Uh, they gave up nine runs and twenty two and a third, so uh, things are looking better from that perspective too. Got to have that pen rolling. All right, let's do Monday. Sox five, Royals four. They were trailing late, but then Wellington Castillo helped out. The 2-0 to Castillo. High and deep to right field. Got a chance. To the track. At the wall. Opposite field. Home run for Castillo. Turn on the fireworks. 5-4 socks. Light it up. And that was the final. First homer for Castillo since he was suspended last May. The 80-game suspension and a very slow start from this year. But that was huge. He was slowed down in camp, too, by some uh, minor injuries. But uh, veteran hitter can really uh, come in the clutch, as he did in that game you just heard. It'll be interesting to see if uh, he's he's with the club all all year, too. you got Zach Collins at AAA having a pretty decent start. Wellington's a free agent at the end of the year. Right. Who knows how the season's going to go. But if the Sox are in looking to the future mode at the deadline, that could be a guy that maybe somebody's interested in. I think you're right. And, they, and James McCann, they got a real good find in yep. him. He's a, he's a real bulldog. Let's go Tuesday. White Sox 5, Royals 1. That's their third win in a row and 4-5. and five, And a big day for Yoan Moncada. 2-1. High, deep left field. He's got a chance. At the track. At the wall. Turn on the fireworks. He goes opposite field. Does Moncada. Sox even the score at 1. Moncada, a strikeout in the first, one of three, and then a solo home run. There's a high, deep drive to right field. Solera again looks up and another one. Out of here to right field for the White Sox to move on to this lead 4-1. So, well, Yoan Moncada, this is, this is probably the best development of the early season, right? I mean, oh, no question, right? Well, the strikeouts are down. He's he's the the, the two strike pitchers. He's handling a lot better, and he's got the power. 
and I think he, he once they put him at third base, I think he relaxed. And I think uh, that's obviously Ricky Renteria made a great move there, and he's taken off. And you know this guy could be a great, great superstar, not just a star, a superstar. And that trade looking better by the minute yeah. uh, from Boston. So Jason Manetti, White Sox TV, had a great tweet about this too. After 19 games, Yoan Moncada still hasn't struck out looking. 19 games last year, he had struck out looking, right. looking. 14 times. A lot of those calls last year were borderline calls that could have gone either way and they went against him, I think, on 40 occasions. So, uh, it's massive improvement as expected. This guy was a, a top prospect and he's, he's right there right now. Yeah, and I, he, I knew that he would be better at not taking call thirds this year, but this is a market improvement and early. Like, it's, um, I'm coming out of the gates and I'm not going to be the same player as last year, yeah. in, 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 directly in that regard. And despite the controversy, we talked a lot about Anderson and this you know, off the field stuff, but he has had a sensational year and you could see it coming last year. He had a slow start last year. He came on, had a pretty good year overall, and then this year he's really taken off. And he is really nailing everything. So you, t- you talk about two guys who are, could be really studs in there, and you add a Jimenez and you add a Breo in the mix, and uh, you've got a pretty good deal going. Yeah, let's uh, let's fast forward all the way to Friday because we're short on time here. Wednesday was the brawl. We talked about that a ton. Royals won in 10-4-3. And then on Thursday, Tigers over the Sox 9-7 in a seesaw fair. Ryan Cordell had a home run in that one. But yesterday it was Sox 7, Tigers 3, and they got a pretty good start from that same guy in the first inning. Going to pitch you from your past. Yep. The 1 1 is swinging a high fly ball. This is crushed to center. That's going to send Jacoby Jones to the track. At the wall. It's gone for a home run. Over 420 to center. Sox lead 1 0 with two at bats. And there was also a historic moment in that game from Jose Abreu. See if he gets one that he really likes. Abreu with runners at first and second. The 1 2. Line to left, down the line. There's going to be a run producer if it's fair. It's fair to the corner. One run, and McConaughey streaks for home. All the way from first, he stumbles and maintains his footwork and scores on the double by Abreu. The White Sox now lead 6-1. to one. And that was the 500th RBI for Jose Abreu. You know something, too, after the game, uh, even before the game, we were talking to Ricky about Abreu. He was pressing. He was... Uh, Let's see, what was at one point he's one for fourteen this week. He wound up three for nineteen after yesterday. But Renteria's explanation was he saw he's pressing because he saw some other guys coming on when got his pitch hitting well and obviously Anderson is and he felt he should contribute, put a little more pressure on himself than, than he's used to. And but being a, a brave, he's gonna say you know he's gonna settle down and have the kind of year that he's capable of having. If you're just curious, like time frame for uh, Jose Abreu is to get to the 500 RBIs. Frank Thomas was the fastest in 661 games. Magla Ordonez did it in 720 games. And Jose Abreu in 761 games. And make no mistake about it, he is the leader of that clubhouse. And you can see it in there when you go in. Uh, and it's not always, you know, the media doesn't always get a good insight on it. But in spring training, you do. And he is uh, definitely the guy they look to. No doubt about it. All right, news coming up, and then Coop after that. This is White Sox Weekly till 6 on 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. 720 WGN, this is White Sox Weekly. Pleased to be joined by the pitching coach, Don Cooper, Coop, 17 years. Does it feel like year one early in the season for you? Uh, no, it's, it's, just, it's like any other year. You know, it, 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 you know, once the season starts, it's a grind. you got 162 games, you know. 
and there's a lots of ups and downs that go on in, during that. And uh, you know, we're, we've, we're going through some stuff right now uh, that is is going to make us better later. Everybody, uh, at least a couple days ago, what's wrong with Ronaldo Lopez? And then he comes out and he has a, his best start of the year. Uh, what were you seeing early, and and what changed well, in your let mind? Let me ask you this: Who who is that? Everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody seems to have an opinion. You know, is it, is it the people that are on the social media? Is that worth doing? Um, but yeah, Lopi started out with three stars that were uh, weren't what we were looking for. And then they had a good one. You know, Lopey's good. You know, sooner or later, that guy's going to show up on a lot more regular basis. And I'd like to think the last star has got him started in that direction. And you always talk about, like, and this is not, we're not reinventing the wheel here, but it's all about fastball command. Uh, is that what it's coming down to for not just Lopey, but uh, all your guys as far as getting off to a decent start here and, and maybe just up upticking it a bit where you want them to be? I would think for that would definitely hold true for Rodon. Uh, Giolito and Lopez, you know, Nova, uh, it throws, throws lots of strikes. Yep. We just got to make sure that they're uh, well-located strikes. But uh, fastball command is the most the biggest thing for anybody. And, okay, let, let, let's let's talk about uh, Giolito right now and the injury that he's dealing with. How hard is that going to be for him to come back, Coop? It's not going to be. He's feeling better already. He felt like he could have had a sideline yesterday, and that was his normal day for a sideline. But, you know, obviously when a situation like this happens, we've got a long season ahead of us. We're going to first and foremost take care of that him and that situation, and he'll be back when uh, when we, we feel real comfortable that uh, he's passed it. Uh, um, but that he's taking care of it right now, and uh, I don't think it's going to be hard. He'll be back in there before long. But again, we got to take care of it. So, so you're not saying it's going to be forever, but you guys are going to be cautious at the same time. Well, what I'm saying is he's on a 10 day deal. Okay. Yeah. So at the end of 10 days, we're going to make a decision one way or other. Does he need a little more time or not? Uh, but right now, it's it's trending in a very good direction, depending on especially how he felt yesterday. Fair enough. Fair enough. What what, what was your reaction to the to the Royals and Tim Anderson? Uh, you know, listen, uh, I, I think nowadays uh, it's different world, you know, so if people want to celebrate, celebrate. I didn't think he pointed it directly at anybody uh, on the Royals. Um, I, I just don't think uh, a guy should be thrown out for getting hit and basically going down to first base with a little chit-chat to the catcher. Um, I've never seen that before. Um, so that was kind of, you know, different to me. Um, but, you know, they do what they do, and we do what we have to do, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised because now they – listen, it, there's so many Latin American ball players uh, that that happens every day in in their leagues in the Winter League. You know, I, I don't mind people celebrating as long as it's not pointed at someone directly. Uh, like if he would have stared out of the picture and, you know, and he didn't do any of that. He threw his bat in celebration and went down to first base. And they chose to do what they did. So, uh, I, I, and but to get thrown out for that, I, I, I don't like that. Right, and this was this and suspended. Thrown out and suspended. Right for for, for words. For... I don't I don't get it for words. Whatever words on the field. I mean, there's lots of words going on on the field. You know, that's the heat of the battle. And, you know, I'm dealing more with. I think more actions. You know, and what's the old saying? Actions speak louder than words. So, you know, on a baseball field, there's lots of stuff said. And in the heat of the moment, so uh, you know, I think got this lighting up a little bit. But you know, I don't know what he said, what what happened. But you know, the bottom line is he got hit with a pitch. 
after hitting a home run, went down to first base. He got thrown out and suspended. I don't see the suspension or the throw out. So that's what that's that's what I got on that. Yeah, and and uh, just just to back up that for a second, I don't know if you've been listening to MLB Radio. Trevor Bauer uh, of the Indians basically said what you just said. He's like, look, it's hard to hit a home run in Major League Baseball. If you hit one. And you want to enjoy it? That's cool. The dugout goes bananas, right? Everybody's high fiving. Uh, but he just said exactly what you just said. As far as just don't be pointing out at me like I got you. If you do that, then then we're going to have an issue. And th- this is an evolution, though, for you, Coop. Like I'm sure ten years ago, if somebody did what Tim did, you you wouldn't like it. But you've sort of seen how baseball's changed a little bit. Is what I'm hearing. That's what I mean by old school and you know newer school. I mean things change, not, you know, and, and that's where I'm at. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me it, it, unless it's pointed directly at an individual, a pitcher on our, on our team. You know, it's going to happen. Make a better pitch. Don't let him do it. Come on back here with Coop in a second. I'm going to ask him about Carlos Rodon, who had a, quite a good week here. And Coop, uh, as is Coop's tendency, is, is looking for more. Quick timeout, 720 WGN. <laughs> 720 WGN White Sox Weekly. Going to pick it back up with Coop. Had a conversation with him before the game today. Rich King is here with a message for you White Sox fans. That's right, White Sox fans. Bleachers and brews are back all season long. Get one bleacher seat and two beers for just $22. Must be 21 and over with valid ID. Bleachers and brews presented by Budweiser. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash Brews. It's one of my favorite deals. Twenty-two bucks for a ticket. You get a, a beers. What eleven bucks out there right now? It's not a good. That's that, a great that, deal. That's that. That is not a bad deal right there. All right, let's jump back into Coop and uh, the legendary Don Cooper. Seventeen years with the White Sox now, and what are we seeing from Carlos Rodon? Coop. He uh, two two starts this week, winning in New York and winning last night. And, uh, yeah, I think you like what you're seeing, but perhaps uh, Carlos could even take up another notch. Well, listen, I think he's had five stars, and I think in four of them, and maybe even four and a half, because there was some positive in the other attic, he's done well. You know, um, I wish we could cut down on some walks, um, you know, but he's th- he's commanded his fastball pretty good. We're whipping out a lot more change-ups starting, you know, last night, the time before, we started using more change-ups. And he's got a slider that don't quit. You know, he's got a good slider. And some of those you saw last night, he threw some 78, 79. Those are really curve bolts. Uh, the harder ones, the 86, 87, those are sliders. So he's changing speeds. He's, he's throwing enough strikes. And he's going out there and taking care of the, you know, six to seven innings for us. Um, and, and, he, and he's been good so far. And this guy's a guy that's uh, this is his first full season right here. He looks good. He's looked great from spring training in a lot of ways as far as healthy, and uh, he's got five stars when we need like 27 more from him. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so he's, uh, he's in a good place. Yeah. And Santana? Well, Santana struggled a bit. You know, listen, he's coming back from an injury. He missed all of last year. Mm-hmm. He's scheduled to go today, uh, weather permitting here in Detroit, and we're going to find out more about him. At one time in 17, he was an all-star. Uh, the fastball is not quite the same as it was, but he's only been pitching a month and a half, and we're going to you know, continue to give him 
uh, some opportunities to go out there and, and, and do what he's done in the past. We know what he's done when he's healthy. And so he's got a little something to climb out, climb out from, you know, meaning a, basically a year of inactivity with a finger injury. And, uh, you know, so we're going to see what we get today. Yep. And, Coop, before you go, the bullpen, uh, you got to like the back end right now, right? And, I mean, I, I feel like you got to be pretty satisfied there. And you, you guys well, are. Yeah, yeah, the back end is experienced with Colome and uh, uh, Herrera. And, and even Jones, I'll put in there. Uh, I'll talk about Fry. Fry is starting to come out of it. Um, he's had like four or five outings in a row, which he did well last night, was probably one of the better ones, a full inning. He, you know, um, the other guys are rookies. Uh, younger guys, and you know what people don't know, you know, they don't know their usage. I mean, because of Giolito's injury, because of a couple starts where we didn't get length, uh, they've been asked to go a little bit above and beyond the call. Uh, like, Ryan Burr comes to mind. Like, yeah, he pitched last night for an inning and gave up a run, but he, uh, he had a day off the day before and pitched basically up and down three times. Yep. The day before that. And when you usually do that, we try to give you a couple of days off. Because, but out of necessity, we had to use him. And he he stepped up. He went above and beyond the call. Gave us that inning. Um, even though he gave up a run, he wasn't as strong as he could have been because we're using him a lot um, out of necessity. The same thing for Manny Banuelos. Hell, Manny Banuelos pitched two, three innings, uh, two days off, another three innings. Day off, we get him hot. Um, above and beyond the call. Um, and, and, and so that's kind of what's been going on. Ruiz, a rookie and a position change guy, you know, with getting two innings out of him. Now, you know, that, I think with Burr and Ruiz especially, they are getting great opportunities and, big, and opportunities to gain more and more experience. The games that they put in, Combined with their workload, listen, I'm okay with all of those guys. I, we're trying to catch up a little bit right now because of what I said a minute ago with an injury and, and Lucas coming out in the third. We've got to fill that whole game. And, and, and an ineffective start or two without giving us length. You know, more is asked. More has been asked for the bullpen. And you know what? They've went out there. Nobody's saying, I, I can't go or anything like that. They step up and, and, and because that happens every year where, okay, more is going to be, have to be asked of the bullpen. And on the other hand, there's times that, hey, we need another inning out of a starter, and we might have to leave him in the game a little bit longer uh, because of we're a little bit short and trying to catch up and trying to get guys the rest we'd like to get them to where they can go out there at full strength and, and do the things we envision them doing. The Ryan Burr, I love his body language, Coop. You could see how much he really, really wants it. Well, you're right. You're right. That's a good observation because, funny you mentioned that, last night after the game, I gave him, uh, I gave him a, a praise them because he just went above and beyond the call, not only in this day, but a day earlier because when he had to get up and down three times, and he hadn't done that. You know, he had to come in, finish an inning, and went back out there for basically two more times. So uh, he helped the team. That aids the team. And, uh, he, you know, another thing I like about him, he's always ready to go, and he competes out there. He, he's competing, and that's appreciated. And you know what? The effort, and we know when guys are being asked more of, and that, so the, it's the effort and them stepping up that's appreciated. Last one, Coop. A year ago today, uh, Danny Farquhar 
you know, collapsed at the dugout, crazy day at Guaranteed Rate Field. What, what do you remember? I just remember the kid being in trouble. Um, and I remember a short conversation I had with him before, uh, before he went into his, uh, you know, before he was hurting. You know, he, 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 and he just kind of passed out, basically. And I also remember our crack medical staff led by Herm Schneider and Brian Ball and the doctors that were there. Um, my thinking is it was a miracle because if it hadn't happened there and our people didn't act like they did, they wouldn't have gotten them to the hospital quick enough. If, that's, if he's driving in his car or he's home, the poor kid might be gone. And, you know, all the concern that we had for him. Uh, and his family, because, you know, she's, you know, we were just concerned and wanted him to live and survive. We weren't thinking about pitching or anything like that. It was, a, it was probably, you know, listen, we, it's, it's never happened before on a bench like that, but all people were ready. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think the surgeons that treated him, you know, from what I heard, uh, that one of the best surgeons in America happened to be there. I think it was a miracle. I think, uh, I think everything was like a perfect storm, if you will, to help him and to get him out of there and get him to the hospital where he could be treated and the right people uh, were there. And that's what we were praying for, um, that he would be okay and, and, and that the doctors had the knowledge and the wisdom uh, to help him, and they did. And we are just all ecstatic when we saw him come back. Basically, a week later, he, he came to the ballpark. And, and you know, and it, that was... It was a t- terrible event that turned into a, you know, wow, wow what a great event that, that the kid's alive and and the, and his daughters still have a dad. There you go, wow. Coop, right? Remember that a year ago? Crazy. That was horrible, wasn't it? And then Coop summed it up pretty well, you know, about uh, that incident. But getting back to what he said, he had some great comments in there. Uh, Carlos Rodon, interesting story. I mean, we talked to him in spring training, and he would not admit it. You know, he had a great start last year, and he was called up on June of last year. Because he was still rehabbing. Yeah. And he had a great uh, get-go at the beginning. Nine consecutive quality starts. He was 5-0, 1.84 ERA. Then he petered out. He wound up finishing 0-5 with a 9.22 ERA. And I asked him in spring training, what happened? He says, I just pitched bad. That's it. Then I asked Renteria what happened to him. And he said, you know what? He won't admit this, but he tired out. People forget this is his first full-time deal. I mean, he's been injured every year. That's why he's the key to the staff. He's a first-round draft pick. This is the year they got to get some production from him. And so far, so good. He's pitching very well. And I thought it was interesting the way Coop sort of addressed it. Well, he's had twenty. He's had five starts. We need about twenty-seven more. Exactly. So exactly. To me, that's sort of a little bit of a window. What's going on behind the scenes of how he's trying to, you just hold him accountable in between each. Not that necessarily Carlos needs that, but I, I think Coop oh, is yeah. looking like you. We need. Need you to be solid all season you have, long. You have to stay healthy in this game, in any game for that matter. And if you get Lopez and him going, Lopez pitched well his last time after a tough start. And you got Ivanova giving innings, and Giolito comes back. Uh, Giolito looked great before he got hurt. He's yep. he breezing along. And he, that that just sucked when he's going to the oh, dugout. Terrible. And he's you could see the anguish on his face because he knows that I'm off to a good start this year for the most part. And I've you know I've changed my mechanics. I feel so much more comfortable. My confidence is uprising, and now I'm out, and I don't yeah. know how long. Well, the White Sox are optimistic, but it, you know you just never know. If you were at, hamstrings are tough. If you were at the game, you saw him stumble a little bit. Then he tried one of my pitches. We asked him about this in, in Detroit, and he said, you know, I tried two or three pitches, not full tilt. 
Then the last pitch, I went full tilt. I knew I couldn't do it. And as a precaution, they took him out. Now, he said it's a minor thing, and I believe him. Let's hope it is in one or two starts, and he's back. Because he's a, a key also, a guy that has to come on. I got to say, it didn't look minor. He did not. He could not put a full weight on that I know, leg. I know. Well, hamstrings are hard. You know, I, I'm not a world-class athlete, but I, I had a hamstring injury in college, and it takes three or four weeks, and you can't press it, because if you start coming, it feels okay for a while, you say, well, I can get back. Next thing you know, you can't you can't do it. Right, and you start messing with, the, I'm going to compensate this way for a pitcher, all of a yeah. sudden your shoulder falls off, you just, you got to be right. That's what happened to Palka. Yeah. You know, he had he had the hamstring in camp, and sent him back three weeks. Yeah, so, well, we'll see what happens. So, fingers crossed it'll be back out there soon. All right, final time out, we'll wrap up White Sox Weekly next, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly wrapping it up. Sox and Tigers tomorrow, today. If you're wondering what happened, they were rained out. Rich King, you just uh, did your first ever White Sox Weekly on WGN. How do you feel? Oh, I loved it. Are you kidding me? This is like a mulligan in life for me. I, you know, radio is where I began, and maybe that's where I in my life. But, but radio is a lot of fun. It really is, because you have to dress up, makeup on. It's nice. Your first year in radio in the city was what? I was a, well, as a writer or as on the air? On uh, the air, 77. And then behind the scenes? Uh, 68. 1968. 68, yeah. That's when I started. But WGN, back at, over, the, over uh, the other building, uh, and yeah. that was radio and television combined. And I was a writer. I wrote Jack Brickhouse's 620 Sports. You wrote Jack Brickhouse's 620 in the morning and the afternoon? Afternoon. Afternoon sports. Brickhouse was a horse. He did everything. He did games, That's... came back, did shows. They did a show at night. He was all over the place, but he was a uh, obviously Chicago legend. Every time I pass the statue, I say hello to Jack. He was a funny guy, great guy. That's unbelievable. Wrote how long was his cast? Six twenty to six thirty. Ten minutes of sports and, and Brickhouse. Brickhouse, uh, you know, if you wrote the copy, you wrote ten minutes of it. If you're lucky, you got three of the minutes on the air. He'd see a story. Two stories in, starts to ad lib about one of his stories about where, where his personality was, and you'd never get the rest of it on. So if you wrote the copy, you took, you took it for granted you're going to get about three minutes of your copy. Of. That that is that is a different time right there. Oh, my God. Oh, he was a legend. And I, I had a chance to work with Harry Carey, too. So Did you really? Uh, in the broadcast booth and, and doing talk shows. So I've been very, you know, looking back, you when, when you retire, you look back and you're, you, you, you count yourself lucky to be involved with so many great people. And so many great personalities, not to mention Brent Musburger and the people I knew. So it's uh, it was a, a wonderful ride, and this is like an extension of it here here on WGN. How many years with Dave in it for you? My God! Oh God! Now Dave's like you know he just started in the business more than I ten. I know that because he uh, hired him uh, back in. in Did you in really? Days. Yeah, and and he was a producer of the. The Bears, nineteen seventy-seven. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Great to be with you, Dave. Rich, really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, enjoyed it. It was a blast. 